Someone who has been there. Someone who has fought back from the horrors of incest. Minister Diane's innocence was stolen from her in the land of alcoholism and mental illness, which led to her being emotionally, physically, and sexually abused by her parents. Yet in spite of the trauma of her early years, she went on to become a successful wife, mother, registered nurse, and minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Plus, she's a virtuous woman who can help you find that woman in your life. Don't let the weight of this world or things that happen to you control your life. This is I'm Not the Woman I Used to Be. I'm free on TogiNet. And now, here is your host, Minister Diane Jones. Hey, people. Hello, hello. And oh, happy day to you. This is another day that the Lord has made. I am rejoicing. I am glad in it. It is also Hanukkah season. Hanukkah began on December 12th and it ends on December 20th. So um, this is also a wonderful time of celebration and it's a time for um, believers to take this time to reflect on God's ability to deliver and to set free because that's what um, Hanukkah is all about. It's also called the Feast of Dedications and it's also called the Festival of Lights and it commemorates uh, a miracle in which um, a battle occurred because um, the temple in Jerusalem had been taken over by pagans and um, it was being desecrated, and um, there was an uprising, and the, 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 the Maccabees, the men of God, decided that they weren't going to stand for that. They weren't going to sit, they weren't going to take it lying down. They weren't going to stand for it. So even though they were small in number, they rose up and they fought to regain control of the temple, and um, there was a miracle concerning the oil in the lamp uh, in the temple. Um, there was only enough oil for, I believe, one day, and God just showed up and just performed the miracle, and he allowed the oil to last for, I believe it was seven or eight days. So God let them know that he was, he was, <laughs> he was in it, that he helped them to win that battle. So that is what... Um, Hanukkah is all about, but we today, um, we, Chris, Chris and I, we use it as a time to celebrate the Lord and to rededicate ourselves to him and to his service. Because what happened was that when they regained control over the temple, they rededicated it to God. They, they declared that it was his, it was back under his control, and they resumed the worship that was supposed to go on there. So that's what we do at this time of year. Um, 
unfortunately, I don't get to celebrate it usually the way that I want to, but I do acknowledge it and we acknowledge it. So happy Hanukkah to all of you that are listening. Wonderful little history lesson if you didn't know, okay? <laughs> so I, um, what I'm going to be doing tonight, actually, I'm going to be picking up the story that I left off with uh, two weeks ago. I began to tell my own story of a battle, mm, yeah, of a battle and a struggle that has been going on for over 60 years. I've only been in the battle since 2012, okay? This battle involves at least five other families that I have personally talked to or contacted in some way. I shared their stories um, beginning a couple of months ago. I, I kind of shared their stories leading up to my story, which I'm classifying as the finale. Okay. Why? Because it's my show <laughs> and I can do that. <laughs> but this battle has been going on, like I said, for at least 60 years. It's been more, but at least 60 years. Um, like the Maccabees and the story back in the time of the um, dedication, it is a battle between good and evil. It is a battle between justice and injustice, manifest injustice, okay? It is a situation where uh, the disadvantaged and the uh, less fortunate are being oppressed, have been oppressed, and they have experienced great pain because of that oppression. These families, including myself, are black. We happen to be black families. So there is an element of racism involved because the advantage was gained in this battle through slavery. Through, uh, through the advent of slavery and um, the effects of it have continued. The advantage was gained wrongfully, unjustly, and through the oppressive institution of slavery, okay? Um, so that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to continue that story. Why? Because just like the story of the temple being re-possessed re, um, and rededicated, I really, really believe in my heart that we are in a season of change. I believe that God is going to exact this account. I believe he's the one who launched me into this battle. And I had no idea at the time that it was going to take so long um, for, for, for it to conclude. But God is like that sometimes. <laughs> he, don't, he don't give you the whole picture and the whole story. But I believe that um, we are in a season of change, that the wind is blowing in a new direction and that things are going to be shifting, not just for me, but for all the people that this has affected, for people of color, it's not just black people. There have been Indians, um, there have been Hispanics, 
there have been uh, people that are mixed with Indian, Black, um, Hispanic, and Black. Some people would term and call them mulatto, okay? So there have been many people affected by these injustices, and I believe that there's going to be a trickle effect when God shows up in this battle. I believe that God is going to get the glory for the outcome, and I'm certainly going to give him all the praise. <laughs> so before I um, waste any more time, let me at least say say hi to my handsome hubby and uh, see if he wants to say hi to y'all. Hey, hubby. How's it going? Hello there, wife. How's it going? I'm going good. How are you? Doing pretty good. I'm 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 getting fired up. Even as I'm talking, I'm getting fired up. Yeah, I didn't know if I was going to get in because you're starting to get worked up. But I'm <laughs> glad to be here, and I am definitely listening in. And if I have something, I'll jump in. Okay, sounds good to me. All right, people, you heard it. So that's what I'm going to be talking about tonight. A battle between good and evil, et cetera, et cetera. Get your tea. That's what I'm drinking. I'm drinking one of my favorites, Jamaican ginger mint. Yes, I love it. It is wonderful. It has a wonderful aroma and flavor. It's caffeine free. Don't need, I don't need the extra. I don't need the extra. <laughs> I'm already hyped up enough. So if you haven't gotten yours, wait to the break and get yours. Okay. Get your get your cold beverage or whatever you like sipping and join me. Okay. Because this is going to be interesting. This is going to be interesting. So let me give you a recap of the backdrop. The backdrop of my story. I'm going to do it fast um, because I told a little bit more about it. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, and I don't want to lose time. But anyway, the backdrop is Texas. Okay. The year between 1830s, I'll say the early 1800s to the mid 1900s. <clears throat> All right. Other significant factors and, and occurrences and events, the Texas Revolution, uh, what some people would call the the uh, what? How do you call that? The the forging of the frontier, um, the Texas oil boom. As I already mentioned, slavery, the Jim Crow laws that came after slavery, uh, and I believe last time I mentioned the Walling family. The Walling family was a very prominent family in Texas during those years. They hailed from, uh, I want to say, Europe originally. Uh, I wasn't planning on mentioning that, so please forgive me. Diane, Diane, you keep doing that. I believe they uh, originally came from Europe. And um, they they created uh, a rich legacy and history in Texas. Now they were a mixed breed of, of people. There were, like I said, Indian, black, 
as some would say, Negro, um, mulatto, okay? So there is a rich history that you can find in the, um, the uh, library. We went to Tyler, Texas, I believe it was. Um, I can't remember if we were in Tyler or if we were in Henderson at the library, but we went to the library and we went to the historical uh, society and we found a lot of the information that I'm going to try to share with you tonight. So, great. telling you about the rich history of the Walling family. Um, I looked at some of my old notes and I did see that that was in um, the library and the County Clerk Records building in Henderson, Russ County, Texas. That's where we began to do quite a bit of our research. Um, 
we also did research online at the Texas Land Records, the Amazon. I think we found some things on Amazon. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, was it Amazon? Not Amazon. Um, Ancestry. Ancestry.com. So here we go. Okay. In 2012 is when my battle began. I learned from a couple of my siblings that our grandfather, who we never knew, we were not uh, fortunate to, to know him, to have ever met him, uh, to know much about him. But they learned through another uh, kind of kind of distant relative. It wasn't, he wasn't, well, I won't get into all that. They learned from another brother that our grandfather inherited mineral interest from and through the Wallings. Um, his sister, Catherine, married into the Walling family. Her name was Bradford prior to getting married. And um, she married into the Walling family. So, so that was his tie and connection to that family. So uh, we learned that there was uh, mineral interest, that there was some wells uh, connected to that mineral interest. Uh, we didn't know how many or how to even begin um, finding out this, finding out what this all entailed. So I was asked by my family to see what I could do to see if I could help uh, resolve this mystery, solve this mystery and find out what, if anything, we um, had the rights to, okay? So that began an exhaustive search. Um, uh, it, 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 uh, it turned up uh, a mineral royalty deed in our grandfather's name for uh, a minimum of 25 acres. That was the first um, amount of land that we found was 25 acres. Um, and so we hired attorneys um, attorneys instructed us to hire and use the services of landmen so that we can help figure out what all was associated with this 25-acre tract of land. We found that a company named Samson Resources uh, was operating wells connected to that 25-acre tract of land. Turned out to be a number of wells um, connected to that 25-acre tract of land. So naturally, we contacted Samson Resources to find out um, the particulars. Um, we had enough sense to know that there was supposed to be some sort of a lease or something that um, I think some people had done some research and found at least that out. That there was supposed to be some sort of a lease associated with this uh, mineral interest that, that granted Samson and us the details of this interest um, granted Samson the right to to um, their interest and and to drill and us the right to receive payment for them drilling. Okay, well, to our dismay, when we contacted Samson Resources, like several of these other stories that I have been sharing with you. Um, they were content to tell us that they had no lease. 
They had no lease. They had no lease. And not only did they have no lease, but they were not going to share any information with us concerning the wells. They felt they had no obligation to do so, that it was in fact our responsibility to research, find out, and prove what our ownership was pertaining to those wells in that 25 acre track of land. Can you imagine? It's a multi-million dollar company. I would even say billion dollar company because they were making 98 million a month just um, in the past, uh, let's see. Well, I don't wanna get ahead of myself. Let me, let me just hold that thought there, okay? So this was a multi-billion dollar company and they told more than one of us, basically, that's your problem. We're paying you based on um, this, this division order, because like I said, I hired an attorney who helped us to at least claim our interest and they issued us a division order, which did not explain, did not explain anything about the lease, how they came up with our interest uh, or anything uh, like that. It was just, this is what your interest is. You got it from your grandfather and your your brother uh, claimed it first and now this is what you get. So naturally we weren't happy with that. I, w I was not happy with that. I'm like, what in the world is that about? But us not being wealthy, like several of the other families that I have described to you, us not having the advantage of money, we could not, we could not uh, easily research this information. Um, the attorney that we had at the time, he helped us get established as far as uh, claiming our interest, but that's all he said he could do for us. I won't get into all the details of that because that would take me too long. Um, it was a switcheroo, I'll say that much for you. And what we begin to find is that the more people that we um, we ask for help, the, le the least, the, the less help that we got. Um, the first landman did help us find the wells, the number of wells that were associated with the the 25 acres. But after that, it's like we kept running into dead ends. Okay, so this research took me on a journey. Oh my goodness. <laughs> um, several of my other siblings, um, one of my brothers in particular, um, one of my um, um, younger brothers in particular, uh, Gary, I, I hope you don't mind me saying his name. Um, he, he really just went all out with doing exhaustive research. I mean, this just became his life mission. I think I said that about Linda Walker's story that she said that basically this just consumed her life. Uh, she ended up working several jobs, just trying to have the money to fight for what, what was hers. So this research turned up um, quite a bit. Um, the, the Walling family tree is, is too extensive for me to tell you the whole Walling family tree. So I'll just say that um, one of the Walling family members who 
who um, Catherine married into the family of was a colonel by the name of Jesse Walling. Okay. And um, he had a couple of brothers um, who combined between the three of them. Uh, our research showed that they owned at least, one article said at least 4,000 acres apiece. So it was 4,000 plus acres apiece, which came to basically almost uh, 13,000 acres. It was like 12,000 and something acres just between the three of them. Another article um, was saying that um, Jesse alone earned 13,000, owned 13,000 acres of land. Um, so so I, I'm not, we're still not even sure to this day how much acres that they own. Um, let's see, that was a Thomas J, that was a James and a John. Those were the, yeah, John, Jesse, James Walling, Thomas J, Walling, they were brothers. And then from them came um, more Wallings who ended up uh, producing a Pat Walling who is who Catherine um, married. And my grandfather was the sole heir of Catherine Walling. Interesting, huh? Do I have your attention so far? <laughs> so we're talking some serious land. We're talking some serious land and how they acquired this land between Jesse and one of his wives. His wife was one of his wives was a Cherokee Indian. Her name was Sarah. I want to oh I can't remember if it was Sarah or if it was um the second wife who was a Cherokee Indian, but one of his wives was a Cherokee Indian and Several of the Wallings served in the Mexican War. Uh, it was known as the Mexican War, and uh, it was uh, the battle between, I believe, the Hispanics and the Indians, and it had something to do with, um, you know, well, it's too much for me to get into all that. So basically because of them serving in the war, they were given land patents. They were given patents for land, okay? And um, we found this at Texas General Land Offices. Um, this page says um, 4,428 acres, okay? That's just one patent. So we found um, proof to back this up. Let's see if I can read another one before we go to the break. It's, uh, it is the next one. The next one, 3,534 acres, okay? So looks like I'm coming up on a break and I'll have to pick up. Has a tragic past shattered your future or your now? Don't let it. This is I'm Not the Woman I Used to Be. I'm Free with Minister Diane Jones. And we'll be right back after these. <laughs> A black nurse 
This narrative is about the struggles of being a black woman and a black professional in a society bound with racial and gender bias. She has hopes, dreams, needs, a purpose, and aspirations, but faces constant opposition to fulfilling these basic human requirements. Like so many people of color before her, she achieves some measure of success, but her success is minor compared to what she must do to achieve it. It's time for a change. Get your copy today from authorhouse.com, this show's host page, or any major book retailer like Amazon.com. A black nurse. <laughs> I used to be. I'm free on Toginet.com. The show dedicated to helping women find their way back to themselves after innocence was stolen by incest and abuse. Helping you heal. It's what we're all about. It's I'm not the woman I used to be. I'm free on Toginet. And now, back to your host, Minister Diane Jones. Okay, and so I was talking to you about the... um the land patents that some of the Wallings had been granted because of serving in the war. And the the uh, amount of acreage was just um, vast, okay? Um, not only did they um, own land, but they were, they owned livestock. They, um, they actually uh, were responsible for um, building towns, Wallings, Wallings Bend, I think, was one of the names of the towns that they started. Um, they built a ferry, and it was called Wallings Ferry. So these were some prominent people of color back in their day. Okay, so when we presented what we had, uh, well, let me let me rephrase that. So we, we, we found quite a bit of information, but then um, the way we found that is because we went, we went, we ended up going to Texas. My husband and I went on a trip to Texas, and that's how, like I said, we ended up at the library and the courthouse and whatnot and whatnot. So when we presented that information to the landman who accompanied us, because he was working on certain aspects of the case, we were working on other aspects of the of the situation, and um, his his main concern with with all of this was that, hey, out of twenty, out of thousands, out of literally thousands of acres of land, it it is just questionable how your grandfather only ended up with a twenty five acre royalty deed. How in the world does that happen? How does that? He said, that's a red flag for me. And then he also said that normally an oil company is required to have at least 25 acres available just to drill one well. Well, as I said earlier, there were multiple wells associated with this 25 acre track. But so something wasn't adding up. 
something wasn't adding up. It was like 16 wells associated with just one 25-acre tract. So he said that usually um, a company has to have at least 600 plus acres to be able to uh, pursue drilling, any drilling prospects. So something didn't add up. So he told us that, you know, it was definitely worth uh, researching and, 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 and getting to the bottom of this and, and fighting for what was ours, okay? There were so many records at the county clerk records office that we couldn't even review them all in, in, in the time that we were there. Um, that's when I realized how big, how big this situation truly was. Okay. Now, while we're trying to get that all squared away, because of course, Samson wasn't willing to cooperate in any way, shape or form. <laughs> um, we're trying to get that squared away. We're Still asking questions, though. We didn't stop asking questions. Various family members were sending emails and calling and, you know, trying to to move them to give us some information. But then, very shortly after our trip to Texas, which was in 2014, Sampson suddenly decides to file bankruptcy in 2015, okay? So that's where the real battle escalated. That's where the battle escalated. That's where it went to another level, all right? We filed what is known as the proof of claim in their bankruptcy proceeding. Now, like the other stories that I've shared with you, Mr. Calvin Williams, um, Glenda Walker, um, Anita Pfizer, like the other stories, you can find this information on the Garden City Group Samson Bankruptcy website. You can type in GCG Samson Resources um, and, and it will come up. And all of the dockets pertaining to this and, and my and the other stories and my story is on that website. Okay. So we found the Parker heirs. That's my maiden name. <laughs> we filed um, a proof of claim in their bankruptcy. Okay. And I did not write down the actual um, number to that proof of claim. But like I said, if you go, if you, if you click on the claims, uh, the claims uh, tab, you can find my name, Diane Jones, see that I'm not lying here, all right? And um, along with my other siblings. Um, so then the battle truly escalated. We, um, we ended up hashing this out in the bankruptcy proceedings. Uh, we were not going to be denied. We were not just gonna be overlooked and we were not gonna let Samson just lie and sweep this under the rug and it continued to ignore us uh, it had already been three years by that point, 2012 to 2015. They continued to ignore us. Now, I forgot to mention that during those three years, um, one of the attorneys that we hired, one of my, my brother hired, 
um, also found that Samson was not paying us correctly the royalties that that they were paying <laughs> what they were paying us they were not even paying us correctly okay we wouldn't have known that had we not hired an attorney okay well if you if you don't know it attorneys cost money though so we only got so far with that but we did discover that they were not even paying us correctly they admitted that they were not paying us correctly and still refused to correct the pay and still and and, and let me rephrase that still refused they said they were going to give us the back pay but didn't give us the back pay all right for for uh, a two-year period in fact not until we got involved with the bankruptcy proceedings and began to oppose their restructuring plan. So when I say battle, I do mean battle. This has been a battle. They um, tried to intimidate us. They tried to bully me. They tried to uh, paint us out as being contentious. They tried to paint us out as being greedy. Here, we are the underdogs. We are the less fortunate. We are the ones who don't even have the money to fight for what belongs to us. We have to do a lot of this through painstaking efforts of our own. And it impacted several of us greatly. That's how important it was to us. But it didn't come without a price. It didn't come without a cost. But they tried to paint us out as being the evil ones, the greedy ones. Oh, they're just out to get money. They just want money. They just aren't happy with the world. Well, no, we weren't happy with the royalties because our research and evidence was showing that there was something rotten going on in Texas. I was going to say Denver because that's an old saying, but <laughs> this wasn't in Denver. This was in Texas. Our research was showing that something was rotten and they would not even provide proof of the lease. They had no lease according to their own admission. They admitted in court before the judge that they had no documentation and they had no lease. So through that struggle, we ended up um, presenting our case. The, the judge involved with the case actually told me that in his 10 years of being on the bench, he had never seen a pro se litigant, which someone representing themselves, uh, present their case as thorough and as well as I had presented my case. And he chewed them up one side and down the other. And we actually won uh, an order for mediation and settlement because at the time I didn't know any better. I didn't know to ask for um, a hearing based on the merits of my case. I asked for a hearing based on, um, well, for, not based on, for mediation and settlement, trying to get Samson to mediate with us and settle our claims. We won that decision. We won that decision. Unfortunately, mediation failed. I'm not allowed to discuss the details of mediation, so I will just say mediation failed. Um, 
you can figure out probably on your own why mediation failed if you went online and looked up their um, their objections uh, and the documents that, that, that they filed after mediation failed or um, during the, the course of that time. Now, the other interesting thing that happened, okay, mediation failed. The judge that was so impressed said, well, I'm going to order a hearing now. We're going to have a, an actual trial because Samson objected to our claims. Anyway, they, they had the right to file an objection against our claims. So now it meant that we had to have an actual trial. Interestingly, the judge that so clearly reprimanded them and told them even that they owed us money. They said, he said, they owe us money. How much wasn't, wasn't, um, we, he, he, he could not say, but he said it is, yeah, you owe these people money. But then mysteriously that judge's services were terminated from the case. Okay had been the only judge involved from 2015, from approximately around November of 2015, up until October of 2016. And now all of a sudden his services were terminated. Um, we, we don't know if he volunteered to leave the case. We don't know if he was forced for some reason, switched or whatnot. The court didn't even give us the courtesy of an explanation other than to say that it was for internal reasons. Right after he ordered a trial, we had to get a whole new judge, a whole new judge. And of course that was suspicious. Okay. Yeah, it was suspicious. And it turned out to be, <laughs> I feel, uh, a manifestly unjust thing. Has a tragic past shattered your future or your now? Don't let it. This is I'm Not the Woman I Used to Be. I'm Free with Minister Diane Jones. And we'll be right back after these. Millions of people are sexually abused each and every day. Not just by rape, child molesters, or pedophiles, but by choice and through lifestyle preferences. Who would enjoy being raped again and again? Why is rape spiritual as well as physical? Can a sex offender be healed from abusing others? Find answers to these and other questions in the pages of Overcoming Sexual Abuse by Minister Diane Jones. Available online at authorhouse.com. This show's host page, amazon.com in any major bookstore overcoming sexual abuse this is the Toginet radio network radio with a cutting edge is there more living for you to do yes 
Start living inspired. Be here for Living Inspired with Trisha Goyer, Thursday afternoons at 4, 3 p.m. Central on toginet.com. Trisha will dig deep at the topics that matter most to women, inspiring women to make a change in their own lives and to make a difference in the world and maybe even deep within their own hearts. Trisha is a wife, mom, speaker, family expert, and author of 24 books. For more information on Trisha and Living Inspired, go to her website, Trisha Goyer, that's G-O-Y-E-R dot com. Trisha's vision is to be a voice of hope and possibility for teenage girls, pregnant teens, mothers, and wives. Her intention is to serve ordinary women by encouraging extraordinary things with God's help. Trisha expresses real life, real hope for real women. Is there more living to do? Yes. Start Living Inspired with Trisha Goyer, Thursday afternoons at 4, 3 p.m. Central on Toginet.com. Thank God I am free. I am free. Welcome back to I'm Not the Woman I Used to Be. I'm free on Toginet.com. The show dedicated to helping women find their way back to themselves after innocence was stolen by incest and abuse. Helping you heal. It's what we're all about. It's I'm not the woman I used to be. I'm free on Toginet. And now, back to your host, Minister Diane Jones. Okay, people, I am talking about a battle that has been raging for over 60 years, a battle that has ensued on the backdrop or in the aftermath of slavery, racism. Um, This is a battle versus good, good versus evil, manifest injustice versus justice. Um, We, myself and my siblings, filed proof of claims against Samson Resources Estate in 2015. Um, at the beginning of my story, I mentioned that um, Samson was making $98 million a month. But I, I paused and told you to hold that thought. So here we are, and I'm going to finish that thought. They were making $98 million a month just prior to filing bankruptcy. (laughs) Literally just prior to filing bankruptcy, like the year before, they were making 98 million a month, okay? Their CEOs during the bankruptcy, their prominent people had had submitted claims and wanted to be paid um, like 750 thousand dollar bonuses they were requesting you know um, i can't even remember all the numbers now they wanted to make sure that they got paid their bonuses we're not talking about their salaries okay in this bankruptcy it was discovered and uncovered during the bankruptcy from the uh, the committees that were involved in the investigations that had to take place that there was foul play that had occurred that led up to the bankruptcy. Is that surprising? No. That there are things that were supposed to have happened that didn't happen and things that weren't supposed to happen that did happen just prior to filing bankruptcy. The um, 
unsecured creditors committee even threatened to file criminal charges against some of the parties involved because Samson was not even cooperating with them and the bankruptcy proceedings. Samson was 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 obstructing and um, fighting tooth and nail. Didn't want to cooperate with the court system or with the the committee whose whose responsibility was to ensure that the unsecured creditors and the creditors uh, would be properly represented in this bankruptcy proceeding. So there's all kind of foul smelling things going on here. There's all kind of foul play going on. But back to where I was, we get a trial ordered uh, within, uh, I believe it was like within weeks or was it a, a, maybe about a month before now the trial is scheduled, but then we get a new judge. The new judge schedules the, you know, follows the schedule, but he refuses to hear the whole case saying that he's fully familiar with the case, but he refused to hear the whole case. Then he begins to advocate for Samson at one point, at least that's how it felt to me. Like he begins to question me um, on Samson's behalf. Now Samson had a rich, powerful attorney, several of them. As a matter of fact, they pulled out all the big guns against little old me, the pro se the pro se person <laughs> from Waldorf, Maryland. They didn't realize that I had some executive power behind me though. And that was my father, my father in heaven, because the Bible says that, you know, when God is for you, you know, he is more than the world against you. Okay. But um, they had a high powered attorney, but the, the, the judge even began to fire questions at me and, kind of knocked me out of my game for a minute there, but then I still was able to get him to admit the judge. I questioned him in return and got him to admit that Samson was wrong. They were, their, their actions were improper and that there was, regarding the lease, that the Texas Resources Codes said that Samson was supposed to provide us with that lease and that they had no lease from the time that we began to acquire up until that point. Wasn't that evidence, Your Honor, that they could not have been paying us correctly? He admitted that it was. You're right, Mrs. Jones. You're right. You're right. But still came back and bought the rest of the garbage that Samson presented in their trial, which was not definitive, which was not uh, it, they had no title opinions, nothing to show where they they had done the proper paperwork to determine who still owned what land. No current surveys. There had been no surveys since the last uh, surveys that they showed us was like back in the 19, it ended in the 1999. And it wasn't even for our full 25 acres of land. It was only for uh, a mere five acres of land out of that 25 acres of land. So everything that they were relying on was outdated, was not according to uh, standards. The research that we found showed that every time they drilled a new well, they were supposed to do these title opinions. 
they're above the law as far as they're concerned. They didn't, they didn't do them and they felt like they didn't have to do them. All they had to do was rely on the documents that they were presented, which they said at first that they even had no documents, but they managed to find some documents from somewhere that were inconclusive. But this judge overturned everything that the previous judge had said and, and, and fussed them out about. He basically claimed, came in and just cleaned it up for him and ruled against me, ruled against us and said, we had no claim against Samson Resources. <laughs> it amazes me what links that evil people will go to to protect their empires, to protect their kingdoms. It, it amazes me how injustice can seem to prevail, it, and, and it does prevail to, to, for a season, for a season. It amazes me and it frustrates me sometimes, but, but I know, I know that in spite of that, in spite of that, God is a just God, excuse me. He is just. He is just. Now, the first judge said that Samson could not prove that they had any right to drill and to make money off of the land that is involved with this, with these wells. That if they, if they had to prove it, he said, there's no way that you could prove to me that you that you know who you're supposed to be paying and how much you're supposed to be paying them. But this second judge, who was supposed to be a chief judge, came back and overturned all that based on faulty documentation and information. Now you can look these docket numbers up. I'm gonna give you some of them just so that you can verify this if you want to. Docket 1583. One nine two three two zero zero three twenty fifteen twenty forty five, and you will see that they changed their story multiple times. They came up with story after story. One minute they said they didn't know anything about this particular well that would hold the lease. The next minute they came up and said, "Oh." Now, now this is the well that holds your lease. Um, their stories were all over the place. We had documentation to counteract their stories, but this judge still allowed them to get away with that. So needless to say, the battle has been escalated. <laughs> I appeal to the Third Circuit Court because I believe that God is going to have the final say. The God is going to have the final say. Psalms 58 tells me, and I was reading that, I believe the last time. Psalms 58 tells me, <laughs> it, it, it's a full chapter, so I can't read the whole chapter, but the end of it says, well, in the, in the beginning of it, it talks about how the wicked are born telling lies. You know, these things are generational and the people that have the 
power and the clout and the ownership like Samson and the companies before them, the ones who instituted slavery and used oppressive tactics and evil things, evil did evil things to gain their power. See, see many times they're, they're born into that. They're born into that. It's generational. But the Bible says that God will destroy the teeth of the lion. Okay. Things are for a season. Things are for a season. He reigns on the just as well as the unjust. So here it says in verse 16 of 58, but I will sing of thy power. Yea, I will sing aloud of thy mercy in the morning for thou hast been my defense. Uh oh, is that the right one? Nope. Sorry about that, y'all. Sorry about that. <laughs> the righteous shall rejoice when he seeth the vengeance. Here we go. He shall wash his feet in the blood of the wicked, so that a man shall say, Verily, there is a reward for the righteous. Verily, he is a God that judgeth in the earth. In the earth. Till next time.